I'm Lucy Dearlove and this is Lekker. Reading about food is almost, almost as much fun to me as eating it. A quick plug here for the Lekker Twitter account where I share things that I've read about food and loved. Some recent highlights have been Ruby Tando's great piece for G2 about how Instagram has changed the way we eat. Scotchy Cole's essay for BuzzFeed about her mother's Kashmiri cooking and also a step-by-step guide to the fascinating process of making donjang or fermented soybean paste by Mang Chi, the queen of Korean cookery. Links to all of those at Lekker Podcast on Twitter. My guest on this episode, Rebecca Mae Johnson, is someone whose food writing I love too. She's had bylines in the likes of Vogue, Another, Monocle, Elle, The FT, The Daily Telegraph, Munchies and loads more. Uh, And she's also a cook and has just completed a PhD in German poetry at UCL. She also has a recipe blog called Dinner Document and wrote this wonderful piece called Miracle on the Block, which is about how cooking, and specifically cooking vegetables, can be soothing when you're feeling overwhelmed or depressed. So I persuaded her to make me lunch at her flat in Peckham and talk to me in her kitchen. When I asked her if she'd come on the podcast, she said that to be faithful to how she normally cooks, we should meet in the shops as that's where she picks things out and gets ideas for recipes and meals. So for this episode, our story begins in Camberwell, at the Turkish Food Centre. produce and it's always cheaper than supermarket and you always like wonder why isn't Tesco's as cheap yeah when it's when they've got much much nicer I supposedly mean as this and when you get kohlrabi okay classic German item oh wow cool so there's a salad um, with kohlrabi and hazelnuts that I made it about exactly a year ago uh, when I came here they have hazelnuts and kohlrabi. <laughs> so I think we're going to have kohlrabi with yogurt and hazelnuts, and then we're going to have fried aubergine with um, hard-boiled egg. Do you like eggs? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and something else. Maybe, I think, maybe with a dill as well. Okay, nice. Um, oh, no, no. Maybe I'll use a dill in that. I'm not. I'm not quite sure yet. I hate rep- repeating ingredient in a meal, so it's going to be one or two, one or other of the dishes. Um, I'm just want to find some nice shiny options. I hope they're not too seedy. I like the shape of those ones. Yeah. They're much skinnier than. They're quite phallic. Yeah, yeah, they are pretty phallic. They're very emoji, I presume. Yeah. And then we're going to have some chickpeas and tomato sauce. Nice. Um, Okay, we haven't found the chickpeas. Uh, maybe a different olive. Maybe the next one. Ah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. 
get into my house. I don't, I don't know what to do. Sometimes you need to turn it to lock it and then you kind of unlock it. Okay, yeah. Um, Do you want me to have a go? Because sometimes, like, fresh. Yeah. We always have the option of climbing through the kitchen window. <laughs> I don't know if my arse off it. Oh, yes! Thanks! <laughs> 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 oh my god, we are actually going to cook lunch now. <laughs> oh, this is a really nice kitchen. Yeah, it's good. I don't, I'm so sad to leave it. Yeah. Um, so I'm putting on my apron now because I love aprons. I've got a lot of aprons. I've probably That's got a, a great one. I like the fastening. Uh, I've got about ten aprons. Nice. Yeah, this one's I've had for about twelve years. Oh my god! Um, came to Berlin with me when I was a student. Oh, everywhere. The hazelnuts make such a difference. <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm gonna make everything, and then we'll I'll serve it at the table. Um, so what did we buy? So we've got we've got the hazelnuts. Hazelnuts, yeah. Uh, we've got chickpeas. We've got a lemon. We got a. Some light skinned courgette. We've yeah. got sheep's cheese in a tin. We've got mint. Some dill. Some aubergine. Some aubergine. Some tomato. Some amazing looking yogurt. Kohlrabi. Did you say kohlrabi? Yes, I kohlrabi. Some bread. And some bread. First of all, I think I'm going to get the tomato sauce cooking for the to go with the chickpeas because that needs a bit longer. And yeah, everything we've got is vegetables. Um, I love eating meat, but um, I guess. Because of financial reasons, I don't cook that much meat, and also I love vegetables. Um, I just think they're so magical and exciting and mysterious, and I, I really do. And um, they're so transformed by how you treat them, and they can be they can taste in so many different ways. So, would you say a vegetable has more potential than a piece of meat? For me, I, I yeah, I guess I feel that, and I've learnt how to cook through vegetables really um that i read a, um i read an article in 2006 that had a really big impact on me it was on the guardian website um as so many things are and um it was a recipe for tomato sauce by one of the um founders of the river cafe i can't remember which one and um she cooked um cooked uh, tomato pasta when people came around for dinner even though people expected her to cook <laughs> fancy food and she just the recipe was like one tin of tomatoes and some, two cloves of garlic finely sliced and eight tablespoons of olive oil and some basil and that was pretty much it and it was just in how you treated that tin of tomatoes and garlic and olive oil was completely transformative and at the time like many people who are learning how to cook, I didn't really think that deeply about what I put in, in a bit of pasta. For me, learning how to make that tomato sauce was like the foundation of me um, really enjoying cooking and thinking about vegetables so much and how they could just be so different. Mm. And, you know, rather than putting like mushrooms and peppers and everything in a pasta sauce and you can't really taste anything you have one just thing having something that is tastes fantastic and there's you don't use very much um yeah i mean i guess as a student whilst i haven't necessarily had like i'm choosing to carry on studying doing phd it's not like i've ever had a massive income but i had the luxury of time 
and being able to go to shops when other people aren't in the shops and stuff like that. And I love going to the shops, that's where I have my ideas for making stuff because food is referred to in the media and on TV and in books and in films and all over the place and you'll have conversations with friends and then suddenly you'll see something that reminds you that you know your friend told you about something or whatever and you don't necessarily know exactly how to make it but over through years you develop um, an understanding of what might work and what might not work and you your experiments get better you make have fewer terrible meals experiments <laughs> and and um, it's kind of amazing and then you sort of realize that almost I'm going to use the word magic again now but <laughs> almost magically you've absorbed how to approach a certain thing or a vegetable or whatever it is and to actually to make it good and you know what to do with it and it's not something that like you can just revise or read from a book necessarily and it's something it's a different kind of knowledge I guess and that's what I find really exciting about cooking and like things happening in domestic space it's hard to pin down exactly when you learnt something or when you yeah, yeah. treating an ingredient in a certain way um, so I just put um, some sliced garlic in some um, olive oil olive oil is cold <clears throat> I don't really know the science behind it I just do it because from that recipe I read ages ago that's what they do but okay so rather than waiting till the oil's really yeah. hot and dropping the garlic so in to sizzle I think it's okay. maybe my estimated theory as to why this they do that is that as the oil heats up the kind of garlic diffuses in through, into the oil yeah okay I also read somewhere that uh, garlic has no flavour until you break down the cell walls and cut it up and what? the more you <laughs> the more you pound it the stronger the flavour gets that's kind of like if a tree falls in the woods. Yeah, because you never know. <laughs> yeah. You never know. Who's ever tried it? Wow. That's blown my mind a little bit. So now I, I am going to um, salt slightly these rather phallic aubergines. And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't salt aubergines. But I do feel like the flavour gets better. Um, and they obviously they expel a bit of water so they fry... A bit better. Mm. What am I going to do? I mean, eggs is something I use a lot. And we're going to have this aubergine with hard-boiled eggs. Um, I didn't like eggs until I went to live in Berlin when I was really? 21. No, I never ate eggs until that point. They weirded me out. As did milk. As did many things. Um, Funny. What, yeah. what were the eggs that did it for you in Berlin? Um... So I had hard-boiled eggs for breakfast with German uh, rye bread from Niddle. And I couldn't eat them soft-boiled until quite a way in. Mm. And now I eat an egg pretty much every single day. <laughs> um, and I recently got married to someone called Sam. And he he didn't really used to eat... He When we met, he didn't eat eggs for breakfast, and now he eats eggs every day. But, um, it's nice, you've had the same journey. Yeah, he proposed to me at breakfast with eggs um, what sort of eggs he made he made special eggs um he went out early and uh he uh they were sort of with the whites he bought it was kind of crazy and amazing and over the top he bought some sausage from the fancy butcher near our house and he did was it with kale or chard in a white sauce with italian sausage and um poached eggs although 
um, I sort of got the impression that something was afoot and I was sort of so nervous and stressed by the whole thing I couldn't really in, eat the breakfast really and enjoy it but um, it was so you proposed after the meal sort of sort of during so the tomatoes have gone in yeah tomatoes have gone in with the chickpeas and the garlic and the olive oil and I I may or may not add some spices to it I'm not sure so this is going to be alongside the fried aubergine and hard-boiled egg the tomato chickpeas. Um, yeah, I, fir- I first made something approximating this dish when I lived in a shared house in Camberwell mm. last year, and um, that was a dish I made for my friend Zoe. In fact, I made this meal for my friend Zoe, who's been a really important friend about cooking. Um, we lived together in Brixton, and I cooked for her a lot then, and. I kind of got to know her through cooking. I was almost like too... I didn't know her that well when we moved in together and I was kind of too shy to really talk to her. And she was going through some difficult stuff as well. And we kind of communicated through meals. Um, That's really nice. And she, and she can't eat various things because of um, like food intolerances and allergies and stuff. So it would be like my goal to always make meals that she could eat everything and have, find it really pleasurable. I started my recipe recipe blog in 2011 um, and lots of the meals on there are stuff I've cooked for Zoe. I often think of her when I'm making something new or if I write it up, she'll often cook it. And I actually started the blog because I, then I moved out from living with Zoe and I um, kind of created the blog partly so the recipes would be there so she could cook them if she wanted to as well. And because um, I... I feel like it's quite a special relationship when you know what someone else can eat. Even if they don't have any intolerances, they you know what they like or what makes them feel a certain way or if they need comforting. And if you're going to eat with a friend, it's usually a social occasion and or someone needs to talk about something. And, that, and so out of that situation, if you're cooking with someone, you kind of learn what makes them tick. And um, I have always cooked for people I live with and I've moved house about 15 times in the last 10 years and that's basically been my way of that's my like social groundwork is cooking for people especially like in getting over any kind of social anxiety or shyness you just you cook for them <laughs> okay I need to I need to stop thinking mistily eyed about my friends and actually start <laughs> doing the meal now so right that's cooking so they always use the salting bit. I might hub all the eggs, just put them on so... Um, so they're ready. So they're ready. Um, yeah. I'm peeling this kohlrabi with a giant knife that we got as well. <laughs> this wedding. is definitely not safety conscious people. We got, I got it as a wedding present. And it's really sharp, but we don't have a sharpener, so I need to get a, sharp, a good mm. sharpener. Because... Um, they just go blunt. Um, so you yeah. obviously come up with a lot of recipes yourself. How often do you cook other people's recipes? Well, I come up with recipes myself, but you know they're not. Uh, I'm not like reinventing the wheel. Or... Well, nothing exists in a vacuum, does it? Exactly. So, um, all cooking is kind of apocryphal. It's sort of overheard things or something you saw someone do or whatever. Even a recipe that's written down, its origin is in its is in. The, in an, an instance where someone made something. Yeah, so that kind of thing... I'm just going out here. To That's fine, I'll follow you. <laughs> um, so these are most of the rescue books, but they're also out on those shelves. 
Yeah, so sometimes I'll look up a recipe. Um, so like there was a life-changingly amazing recipe uh, from Claudia Roden's Middle Eastern cookery that I made uh, about a year and a half ago. I can't see the book right now. It's somewhere. It's, it's on another shelf. Okay, I can't see it. Which was um, chicken and that was boiled with uh, some onion and some celery, uh, no, not celery, parsley stalks and... Yeah, so water and, and a pinch of ginger and I think that's more or less it. Maybe a tiny bit of saffron, I can't remember. It was basically a bit of onion, some parsley and some chicken floating around with a bit of ginger and you just simmer it. I sort of didn't really believe that it was going to taste that nice. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. And I just couldn't believe the complexity and the sweetness and the depth of flavour that came out of it, really. That was, a real, that was another kind of really eye-opening moment. I actually wrote her a fan letter after I made it and sent it to her agent and then um, although I've heard that it didn't I don't think she got it because I heard that the agent was moving offices, offices when I sent the letter oh, no. so I, even, I bought a fountain pen and some paper so I could write her the letter <laughs> first fountain letter I've ever written um, yeah maybe you should send another one yeah yeah. she's got an, like, an, ex an instruction page in the beginning of the uh, book of Middle Eastern cookery which is recipes that she collected from refugees that came over from Egypt and the Middle East in the 50s and 60s and the recipes were ways of remembering people and it's like I may never see you again so here's my recipe um, which luckily I know will be happening at the moment because all these regions that people are living in are being destroyed and you know oh yes I made it yeah and eating together is um you know, these kind of minor variations of a way that one generation or one woman or one man will cook something mm. become lost or they become, you know, necessarily, you know, as we know, children are being separated from their parents. But they, as a child, lots of your memories of how you spend time with people is, is communal eating. And, um, yeah, so, so that book, I think, took her years to compile. People, wow yogurt's amazing this is the yogurt wow that's amazing it's so thick oh, it tastes amazing I just stuck my finger in it. <laughs> that's fine <laughs> it's so tasty but we're going to have loads that's of this going in the kohlrabi yeah I maybe didn't need to use the entire kohlrabi but in mind <laughs> it'll last in fresh. yeah so she so there's a real kind of durational quality to her recipes yeah and her Jewish book um, took her 16 years to compile that's amazing and and um she just she went to all the different regions in the world where there were significant Jewish communities and spoke to people and sat next to them on benches and had chats and, and that's how her recipes evolved and uh, the book evolved and um, I find that incredible. But so they're kind of real documents of everyday lives and of culture trans transmitted through life lived every day. <laughs> um, that's you know dependent on geographical location and. Uh, families and conversations and secrets passed down and stuff that you don't necessarily even talk about but you watch people do from your parents or whoever. Living in London like it's not like I'm part of some deeply embedded particular ethnic community other than white middle class but um, it's now maybe more through friends and media or and, I don't know you just develop your way of cooking stuff um, 
I don't have a nutcracker, so I'm chopping. <laughs> I am pounding up the nuts in the tussin water. Okay. So these hazelnuts or cob nuts. I don't know the differences between cob nuts and hazelnuts, or if there is a difference. Oh, shit, I didn't tell the eggs. Okay, it doesn't matter. Um, oh, that's what I, was gonna do. I'm just gonna, I, sh I wish I had some kitchen roll, but I don't. So I'm drying the aubergines, which have been salting with the tea towel. Um, so I added, so with the Greek yogurt um, and the kohlrabi, peeled kohl cubed kohlrabi, I added a really good pinch of salt. Mm. Yeah, and then just tops it with the toasted hazelnuts. I'm gonna put that on the table right now. I'm just now thinking, so is how I'm going to serve the dish is going to, because I could, for example, mix the, I could layer the aubergine on top of the chickpeas, or I could serve them in a bowl, or it could be separate, I'm just not really quite sure, but I think I'm actually going to keep them separate. So yeah, actually, my friend Isaac gave me this plate, it's a birthday present, the aubergines will look nice on here, so mm. I'm going to put them on there. So yeah, cook them until they're they're coloured and they're slightly, and they're really soft inside. Peel the hard boiled eggs as well. Yeah. I didn't time the eggs, so I have no idea. <laughs> they may be grey inside because I boiled them for so long. Really well, at least it's not raw. Yeah. <laughs> What's your timing for a hard boiled egg? Eight, about eight minutes. That's just about set. These ones have definitely had longer than that. Um, I think a lot about balance when I'm thinking about dishes, and like I would love to have some yogurt with the aubergines, but then I've got yogurt with the kohlrabi, so I'm not allowing myself to do that. Um, I'm quite obsessive about that, but um, it's good because it makes me think about doing things in new ways. Um, if you, like if you have restriction it, as a cook it can be useful like within reason yeah definitely and you've got actually enough food to eat um, I think that goes back to what you were saying about cooking for Zoe before as well because you knew there were things she couldn't eat but yeah, it was an inclusive thing well exactly because I knew what she couldn't eat I then had to have ideas about what she could eat and then that that framework made me have loads of new ideas Um what was I doing? Oh yeah, so I'm now going to open the sheets cheese and I'm going to cut some of it. I have never bought this brand Is before. that in brine? Yeah, I think it's in brine. Sheets cheese and brine, yeah. Uh, I think it's from Germany actually. Maybe. I guess because of the big um, Turkish community in Germany, lots of uh, food products made there now maybe. And I'm going to uh, chop some up and um, marinate it with a little bit of olive oil and dill and put it on top of the chickpeas and tomato. Or I could put it on top of the... Aubergine. Aubergine. <laughs> I haven't yet decided which one it's going to be. Um, so I, I crumbled the sheep's cheese and then I mixed it with a bit of um, olive oil and fennel, uh, the, um, the dill. dill. That looks amazing. I put it on top of the uh, tomato and chickpeas. And then, okay, I think the aubergine's done now. Mm. We're getting there. Oh. Good catch. Uh, 
because it's not complete enough for me. Oh, right. Sorry, I'm going to squeeze a little bit of lemon on the aubergine and courgette. Lemon and salt and pepper and vinegar is pretty much my favourite way just to season any kind of vegetable. So let's see how overcooked these eggs are. They're going a little bit grey, but that's fine. <laughs> Could be worse, it's fine. That's um, pretty good. Yeah, I think I'm just going to fry some uh, cumin and put it on top and then that's it. Cool. Okay. Okay. Then we're pretty much ready to eat. Cool. Um, I'm just gonna put a tiny bit of Turkish red pepper flakes mm. over this. Oh, that looks like a well used jar of. Yeah, I'm almost that. finished. Okay. That's quite nice. That looks, yeah, that looks finished now. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Salt on the eggs because salt the eggs and no one wants an unsalted hard boiled egg. Agreed. Um, okay, plates. Right, shall I bring this? Oh, yeah, it's not hot, is it? No, but I'm going to use two hands because it's quite heavy. Oh, I'm pleased about this meal. It looks delicious. Um, please help yourself. Okay, I will. Okay, I'm going to stop this so we can just eat. Thanks so much to Rebecca May Johnson for making me lunch and bearing her food soul for Lekka. You can find her recipes and writing at dinnerdocument.com. She's also just started a really cool new project called Food Memory Bank, and she's calling for people to submit, anonymously or otherwise, their food memories and thoughts. You can head to foodmemorybank.wordpress.com to read all about it and submit your own if you like. And now my own call for submissions. Uh, I'm always looking for people to feature on Lekka, and I'd love to hear from you or anyone you know all you need is to be happy to let me into your kitchen to watch you cook and listen to you talk about how food has changed your life in some way. You can email me leckerpodcast at gmail.com or get in touch on Twitter or Insta at leckerpodcast. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave a review if you like to. I'll be back very soon with more delicious stories. Bye.